Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of the Caterpillar Podcast. Today we have Drag again. And <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> yes. Do you want to introduce yourself again? Uh, well, for those of you who, who don't know who I am, uh, I'm Drac or Drakinafel. Uh, I run the uh, YouTube channel of the same name. And uh, these two have, uh, for some reason, lost all their senses and invited me back for a second go. <laughs> well, seeing as how we have new ships to talk about, it seemed entirely appropriate. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm not going to argue. We have proper ships to nerd about again. Some of which <laughs> even actually existed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Although, you know, sometimes delving into the history of the the projects that never were is quite can be quite fun as well. Yeah, when when yeah, especially when it end, sends you off on a wild goose chase tracking down through about 15 different designs, none of which quite match the same thing as what's in game. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's always it's always filtered through that wargaming lens, I suppose. But yeah, before, before we, we get, get into <laughs> yeah, before we talk about actual ships, we can mm -hmm. talk a slightly about fictional ships because News Dev Block announced some new Warhammer ships. Yes, uh, once again we have uh, Imperium of Man, or this time really a Space Marine themed ship called the Cross of Dawn, which is basically going to be a Mainz. We don't know if there's going to be uh, changed characteristics on that, although probably not. Um, well, having said that, wasn't there a slight reload difference between the Amagis and the base Amagi? I'm sure they, they tweaked it yes. a little bit. So it might be a little different from the regular Mainz. And then we also have a Orc-themed ship yes based on fenyang called the smasher and it is naturally red because the red ones go faster as we all know oh yes i do like the skin they've got for that as well yeah that actually looks really good i honestly prefer that one the other one looks okay but yeah the uh the the orc one is proper orky looking mm. honestly what i really want is an orc camp I seriously hope they have a proper orc <laughs> camp. No, I'll be so disappointed. Well, if I can, if I can uh, lend my somewhat questionable Cockney accent impression to their voice <laughs> acting, I'm quite happy to supply them the lines. <laughs> well, we do have. There's going to be commanders where it says with unique voiceovers, uh, hopefully mm. as good as the existing Warhammer ones. So we have Austin, Augustin Rigavold and... Grotmaz Smart, who um, mm. is very definitely an orc. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. He's got a hat and everything. <laughs> For some reason, the medals are on the hat, but he's an orc, so, yeah. Probably connected with the um, the new Black Templar box set that's coming up um, from uh, okay. Games Workshop at the moment. So it's actually tying in with something on uh, not, not just a random... Yeah, in, potentially it could actually yeah. also be linked to something on the other side as well. Interesting. Yeah, it makes me suspicious of then what the what the next release is going to be because they've only just talked about the uh, Black Templar box set. So if they're putting up against orcs, I'm not going to be entirely surprised if there's a new orc release coming up at some point. Nonetheless, yeah. Anyway, they they look good. There's going to be some um, consumable camos as well. And a Vark flag, obviously. Yes. The most important thing in the entire 
The entire collaboration is that flag, definitely. That's definitely going on all my ships that can uh, break <laughs> 35 knots. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's yeah. the kind of thing we do like to see, those kind of... Uh, those kind of partnerships where it has slightly more effort put into it and uh, it helps that it's stuff that I like as well. It's also oh, yeah. the best kind of partnerships. If it's stuff I like, then I'm all for it. <laughs> the other, um, well, we had to, we had changes to test ships and then we have changes to ASW armament and submarines. Changes to test ships is largely tweaks to some of the German battle cruisers uh, mostly uh, buffs to reload time of various kinds, uh, although Prince Heinrich lost a little bit of range, Gibraltar's gotten a little bit of reload buff, and beyond, it looks like they've tweaked the concept a little bit with the skip bombers. So they've they've um, doubled the number of bombs dropped per plane, but they've halved the amount of damage. Well, not quite halved, actually. It's still a little over half what it was, but uh, yeah, it, it looks like it, it, it wasn't quite working out with the skip bombers as they uh, wanted it to. Uh, there's also been apparently a, an odd fix for the Marlborough, which is testing at the moment. Uh, fix a situation in which the visibility of the range could be shorter than the maximum firing range. <laughs> so in theory, you could have stealth fired with 18-inch guns in a battleship, which would have been a bit ridiculous. But sadly, it wasn't to be. And same issue with incomparable. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then just a minor tweak for the Giuseppe Verdi, which is an upcoming Italian. Which I don't think we've seen much else about, have we? No, I haven't even seen it in, in playtesting, although it might be on the uh, press accounts or the test server. So probably uh, the bigger news with the is with the uh, ASW... Oh, yeah. Um, where basically it's a free-for-all. Everyone's pretty much getting depth charges now. Except the Dutch. Dutch. <laughs> for whatever reason. It's, we've saying for a long time, just put uh, anti-submarine warfare armament on every ship. And they're like, yeah, okay. But no, 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 wait, wait. No, not the Dutch. Not the Dutch. <laughs> I also know it's except for hybrids as well, so Tone's and Ease's and mm. Kearsarge. Even though it would make the most sense for them to be able to tackle submarines with planes, because they have planes. But who knows? Logic doesn't really come into this, I don't think. Yeah, it's uh but I you know, they'll probably change their mind five times before they ready anyway. Yeah, uh, there were also written... submarine changes. I yeah. think mostly buffs, buffs for the turbines. Uh, it looks like all subs can now launch tubs, uh, torps, even individually, much like uh, British mm. things with torps can um, put theirs out individually, which might make for some slightly more. Interesting gameplay in terms of if you're trying to deliberately pin uh, a flooding on somebody, but of course that's not really worth as much as it used mm. to be. But I said, you, I said, sorry, I was just say if you're deliberately trying to get some ticking damage, it's it's a bit easier now with that because it's not like you can mm. set fires with submarines. Yeah, I was going to say I I have a suspicion this will actually be a bit more helpful in the underwater combat realm 
I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but when I've been practicing with the subs, when it comes to targeting ships, once I've got a decent lot of sonar pings on them, I just want to dump everything and run. Um, but when you're going after subs, it can be extremely infuriating to get the launch angle and depth just right. Mm -hmm. And if you're launching pairs of torps, that can mean you only get a couple of chances before you have to wait on the reload. Mm -hmm. And with their lower health, being able to just chuck one torp downrange after another probably will help with that. That's. uh, I wonder if that's how they've... uh come to make that change there with the thought of making it a bit easier to tackle the subs underwater. Mm. Potentially. And yeah. maybe, at least be a bit more deliberate about it. Possible. I've or also changed uh, that you can like stay underwater longer if you're detected now. Yeah. I mean, hopefully it'll make underwater combat a little bit more dynamic at least. I must admit the um, when you're up, if unless you've got the perfect drop on someone or you're up against one incredibly skilled, usually underwater combat. If you don't land a killing blow almost immediately, it usually ends up with both of you kind of hovering like a kind of underwater helicopter, desperately trying to get get a point-blank shot off. And before someone remembers, they have stern tubes and motors on past. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely um, not the most graceful form of combat at the moment. No. <laughs> So there's also some uh, tweaks to the individual subs, but I don't think we really need to read all those out individually. It looks like mostly bus for the Germans, as you were saying. Yeah, they, they said somewhere that like that the Germans used to just do less damage. So they increased now the damage the Germans do to bring them on par with the US ones. Yeah, and they've actually done some corresponding nerfs to the uh, the US subs as well. Uh, not huge ones, but enough to be noticeable. Yeah, T six and T eight both lost a kilometer and a half on their so, uh, on their torps and uh, sonar ping range. Mm. That's going to be um, interesting to try and figure out. Yeah, I might have to even go back into cop and try some subs again at some point, I suppose. So that takes us on to, I guess, our main topic, which is actually something that kind of popped up right at the end of last week's stream. We we briefly mentioned on stream the Canarias, the Spanish heavy cruiser, being uh, teased on the warship's Twitter. And then more or less right after that, they put up this dev blog. And I guess it all been stuff that had been the, the stream as well about a line of Pan-Asian light cruisers, which are all going to be basically smoke-shooty light cruiser ships. Yeah, well, they've probably got about four inches of armour collectively between them if you line them all up side (laughs) by side, so they kind of need it. (laughs) None of them are going to be particularly armoured. One or two we kind of have in the game already in different forms. Mm -hmm. Um, But... Well, I mean, this is why we have Drac here today, because we, we have some ships that aren't in the game already and some that are variations on ships that we have in the game already. So shall we start with the, the Tier 5, the Chunking? Yes. So this is actually technically already in the game, not just in terms of uh, the ship 
the baseline ship, the Arethusa class cruiser, but actually the the Huanghui is literally exactly this ship, just ten years in the future. <laughs> so uh, it, it's the it's the old HMS Aurora, which was um, then uh, of, uh, after the war given to the Republic of China, now known as Taiwan. And uh, there goes any anyone who was watching from the People's Republic. <laughs> um, and then uh, ended up in the hands of the uh, People's Republic of China, where it was later be renamed uh, Huanghui. So Chongqing, going by that particular name, is at, actually from a very specific, and that specific spelling is actually from a very uh, particular time period, about nine months or so in 1948 okay so it probably wouldn't be that different from its immediate um royal navy kind of outfit then no it's gonna it's gonna be in its um in its refitted royal navy refitted configuration because obviously when it was originally launched it's a pre-war vessel so it received a couple of overhauls during the war which unsurprisingly um significantly upgraded its anti-aircraft battery um and then it's good so it's going almost certainly going to reflect that particular loadout so lots of 20 millimeter and 40 millimeter gu aa guns okay so it might have decent aa throw a tier five cruiser yeah well what what goes for decent in World of Warships, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it'll it'll probably it'll sting to go after it, but it's if if it is in its late war com, uh, configuration, which from the picture it seems to be, um, i.e., no four-inch long-range AA, it is going to be a case of you know send an air, air an aircraft attack after it, and you'll come back with a lot fewer aircraft than you started with, but. If you just sort of flying past it, it's not going to be able to meaningfully offer AA support to anyone else. It is. I mean, uh, one of the things with it being tier five, it is maybe good to note that it, it will only ever see tier six carriers, mm. out fail divisions. And I think Huang Hei, I mean, when it came out, uh, I seem to remember it had decent AA back then but wasn't there a couple of those things funny about it like it doesn't have long range or it's only got long range or I can't yeah well that, that would be the that would be the same issue yeah um yeah it's 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 got decent close range but no long range aa because the uh 19 well the 1941 refit actually took off the four inch aa that it had so um was, was there a reason like uh what was it less effect or why did they take off that um basically the arith users are absolutely tiny um they're they're the budget version of the budget version because yeah got they the, were like cut down leanders essentially yeah yeah so you've got the, the town class is your big ten thousand ton of light cruiser the leanders are the budget version of well technically the leanders precede the towns but nevertheless they are the the budget light cruiser with just eight guns and then somebody went yes but what if we took off another turret and even the Royal Navy at that point was saying, this is at the absolute minimum you can possibly put make a cruiser. And they were envisaging them basically being merchant protection, anti-raider cruisers. They did not, the, even it, even to get the Royal Navy to accept them as they were, they basically said, we're not ever going to use these in frontline combat because they are far, far too fragile and far too undergunned. And then and of this, course, this is all in the, in the context of... of 
treaty tonnage limits, basically trying to squeeze yeah. out the most that they could uh, manage. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, when the war broke out, it didn't matter what you'd originally designed it for; it all went on the front line. Uh, I mean, the Dedos, which we'll come to in a minute, were pretty much the same thing. They were designed for very specific roles, and yet, when you look at the Mediterranean conflict, you have Arith users, Dedos, and Leanders all rocking up. Um, forming actually the bulk of Cunningham's cruiser battle line at times with the the occasional town when it was, according to all planning pre-war, it should have been towns and counties doing that and the smaller ship should have been off running after raiders. But um, yeah, to sort of to get onto the, the AA guns, when they were originally built, they had four single four-inch AA guns and a couple of quad 50 cal machine guns, which not really anything worth mentioning. Um, but because they were so small, when it came to refitting them, it, they realised, well, there just physically isn't the deck space or the displacement allowance to allow us to keep the 4-inch AA and add other stuff, because a couple of quad 50 cal mounts don't really um, add up to an awful lot of weight if you take them off. And so they removed the 4-inch AA and instead installed a lot more lightweight AA. And then later in the war, that got even more of that. Initially, it was sort of uh, pom-poms and orlicans, and then later on, it's even more orlicans and some bofers replacing the pom-poms. But that they thought that was the best way of, of configuring the lighter cruisers. And you see this quite a bit on on the lighter cruisers, like the Leanders and the Didos and obviously the Arith users. Um, quite a number of them just don't have any heavy anti-aircraft guns or suppose the dedos technically their main battery is dual purpose and they just rely on their light aa um, and hope for the best interesting so kind of like the pre-war doctrine meeting the reality of actual well let's just stick as much as uh, you know semi-effective as we can get away with yeah limited kind of space yeah, yeah. It was when you realise that the um, and the Arith users are closer in displacement to some of the larger French destroyers than they are to the big boys like the towns. Yeah. You realised that yeah, there really was never going to be an awful lot of space available on them. Well, uh, it'll be interesting to see how it does stack up against, uh, given that it's a tier lower than the Huanghe in terms of mm. its rate of fire range or that kind of thing um, yeah i mean yeah. it has it has the potential to be quite nice at tier five um i'm sure you found the, the huang Hui, when you are top tier in a match it yeah. tends to it tends to do quite nicely and if it's if and if it's down at tier five if they don't take hit it with too many nerfs then you've got what should realistically be approximately the same ship only a tier lower, so you occasionally get to go after even lower tiers. And as you mentioned, you hopefully won't see too much. Well, you hopefully won't see that many tier sevens. Typically, I suppose. Uh, typically, where does typically come from? What was I trying to say there? Something about smoke. Oh yeah, it's mm. it's um, typically that was the word I wanted. Mm. Uh, the uh, gimmicks of a lot of lines don't kick in till tier six, so there's every chance that it won't actually have a smoke, and that you only get the smoke screen with the the Dido and upwards. Mm. 
I mean, uh, they, they state that all cruisers have a smoke generator. Okay, so. all right. Uh, so it might well then, because occasionally you do get the tier fives also get the gimmick, but it's just quite often it's only tier six and above. Mm. I guess it's not hard and fast rule. Okay, so it'll be somewhere between the Huang Hei and, and uh, like an Emerald or a Leander then or something. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, right. I'm quite happy to see it, see it around, although it now makes two Aerith users in the game and neither of them flying the white ensign. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, you know, there's always the possibility of, of, of uh, I guess they could, like, stick them in the Commonwealth tree. <laughs> so it would be <laughs> sort of vaguely in the right direction. Yeah. So that brings us to uh, Tier 6, which is another world, maybe class that we haven't had in the game before now at all and i think there's probably been something a lot of people would have that you know people that are fans of, of naval history anyway would have maybe liked to have seen him before now because it's kind of the royal navy's equivalent of the uh the uh atlantis yes yeah and um <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a little bit annoyed to be the of the first Dido we get in game, and it's it's not in a yeah. even as a British premium. I mean, I can understand to a certain degree why the Dido wasn't included in the British cruiser line itself, because you know at, at tier five with the number of guns that the Dido class had, it would be a little overpowered. And then, but then once you get to tier six, um. For the way the British cruise line was shaping up, the the Leander does a much better job um, at that tier, I think, with slightly heavier but slightly fewer guns. So it, it was always going to be a slightly awkward fit for the British cruise line, and to be honest, it was a slightly awkward fit for the Royal Navy as well because it didn't fit with any of their established cruiser doctrine. It was a bit of an outsider, although it did they did give good service nonetheless. But you know, the Atlanta's a premium. <laughs> I'm sure they could have done a premium Dido. Um, what the, um, this, this might be a bit of a, di a divergence, but hey, it's why we've got you here. What what kind of led to the Royal Navy going? Let's let's have this somewhat unique class of ships. Then was it just a need for more AA cruisers specifically, something to fill that role? It actually has a very weird um, design origin. It all starts with Design V um, or Design Five except in Roman numerals. No one can ever quite agree on which one. Um, but it was, that was originally a design where the British were looking at... They were looking at a ship design that was in some ways similar to some of the Italian very small light cruisers, dash maybe some of the French bigger destroyers, which was a large destroyer, or and some people even called it the cruiser destroyer, which would have 10 guns, um, 10 4.7-inch guns. And they were looking at that as kind of a flotilla leader unit plus also a kind of foreign stations light, light cruiser stand-in. And at the time, they were kind of hoping that if they could, if they could somehow Shanghai that into the, cru into the destroyer tonnage, then that would allow the free-up cruiser tonnage. Mm -hmm. um, but it turned out one, it wasn't possible, and to do realistically, and two, the um, subsequent naval treaties began to close off some of those loopholes, and so the the design diverged in two directions. Um, one uh, element of the design they eliminated the the fifth four point seven inch gun mount, and you basically get from it the tribal class, 
um, the big big Royal Navy destroyers, and the Didos were the other way. Instead of heading down slightly towards a sort of an eighteen fifty ton destroyer, they went up. Um, they retained the ten guns, slightly played with the layout. Um, so they ended up with this this layout that we see with the Didos, and then they realised that. If you're going to build a cruiser, you can't really have a cruiser with 4.7-inch guns, although, as it turned out, some of the Ditos actually ended up with 4.5s, but that was because of gun shortages. And the previous experiments they'd done with, believe it or not, trying to get the counties to have a dual-purpose armament, because, yes, those 8-inch guns can actually elevate up to 70 degrees, which would be utterly terrifying if you were ever hit by one, um, but it turns out that 8-inch turrets don't turn quickly enough to be reasonable AA yeah, guns. I can see that might be an issue. Yeah, uh, and so they, they tr also tried to make the 6-inch dual-purpose. Um, so Arethuses, Leanders, and Towns, they were kind of hoping that would be that would work out. But it turned out, again, tracking issues because of the size and weight of the turrets, but also the 6-inch shell um, is just that little bit too heavy to be easily manhandled and quickly fired. And so they were trying to strike this balance of what is the heaviest shell that we can get that can also be manhandled and quick-fired, and their idea was this will then become our, our dual-purpose gun for battleship and carry ourself and carry self-defense although the carriers ended up going with the 4.5s anyway um, but the king george the fifths had the 5.25s and the idea of that was you know it'll it'll be big enough and nasty enough and hit hard enough to hopefully stop attacking surface ships like destroyers in one or two hits and might even you know smash up and set fire to the superstructures of enemy lot uh cruisers and battleships if they happen to get in range but can still be used as an anti-aircraft gun it was it was kind of workable um initially the first set of turrets they made for them which we see reflected with this ship as well the sort of more round ones they really didn't help they were a bit too cramped a bit too confined and thus the the rate of fire of the 5.25 suffered plus to be perfectly honest the shell was a just a fraction too heavy it was it was all right in practice conditions but in battle conditions it it was just a, a fraction too much um and later on they'd fix that with the kind of octagonal turrets you see on hms vanguard but when it came to the didos because they were being designed around the same time as the king george v's they thought they had a winning combination with a 5.25 and so as anti-aircraft warships and and occasionally destroyer leaders the Didos were designed to be fitted with the same 5.25-inch gun to help with commonality of parts, commonality of ammunition, especially because it was thought most of their job would be escorting the battleships themselves. Uh, as it turned out, the 5.25 got a kind of a second wind late in the war when the fact that the gun itself was significantly a longer barrel, therefore had greater muzzle velocity than the 5-inch 38 that the Americans had. Once you had radar-guided fire control in place the 5.25 kind of came into its own as a long-range anti-aircraft sniping weapon, which could operate beyond the range of the 5-inch 38, which the Japanese had gotten very used to. But, um, yeah, it, it was a kind of case of it had its heyday just a little bit too late for comfort for some ships like Prince of Wales. And to be perfectly honest, by the time they got to just after the war, the paradigm had shifted again away from from having your kind of light, medium, and heavy AA 
to a kind of intermediate between medium and heavy AA with three-inch auto-loading anti-aircraft guns. So although the Dido stuck around for a while after the war, um, their particular role as anti-aircraft cruisers had not entirely but largely been supplanted after, they, immediately they, after the war. They never really had that same kind of success as the Atlantis in the Pacific then? No. Um, to, towards the, as I, towards the very end of the war, when the Japanese had, were literally circling their attacks just out of range of the 5-inch 38s, mm-hmm. they did have some success, as I mentioned, because then suddenly they'd have planes shoot falling out of the sky. They couldn't figure out why, and it, it was the 5.25s with their longer range. But generally speaking, the 5-inch 38 was a much more successful weapon. The other problem was that due to the demand for battle, the battleships, and due to some of the complexities with the turret and mounting system, a lot of the Dido's either completed without their entire main battery of, of 10 guns. Um, a lot of them would run around with only uh, four twin turrets. The Bologna subclass that, fo- that kind of followed on from them deliberately only had the four turrets. They used the sea turrets location for more anti-aircraft weaponry, um, medium-grade stuff like pom-poms and 40 mils. And one or two of them, actually, they just couldn't find any 5.25-inch guns to equip them with, so they ended up equipping them with 4.5-inch guns instead, which made them absolutely ridiculous in the anti-aircraft role, because you had cruisers admittedly mounting destroyer-sized guns, but you had the space and ammunition feed systems that were designed to handle 5.25-inch shells, which were now chucking 4.5-inch shells up like there was no like nobody's business so they were almost little machine gun terrors whenever aircraft came into <laughs> view um but yeah uh, ov- overall the the 5.25 didn't have that the happiest war although i would say the, the saving grace was that because they had this heavier shell and these longer barrels it meant that when it came to things like the Mediterranean conflict, they could, in a pinch, and often did, stand Dido's in the battle line alongside all the other Royal Navy cruisers because they had the range and firepower to to throw down with the Italian cruisers, which, if, to be fair, if they'd gone with a 4.5 or 4.7-inch armament or they'd been Atlantas with a 5-inch 38, they would have had the rate of fire, but they wouldn't have had the the actual maximum engagement range or the the fire the weight of the shell on impact to to do that. I mean, the Atlantis demonstrated them in the Pacific. They were absolutely brilliant anti aircraft ships. Didn't tend to do so well in a straight up surface fight. Well, I think there's. I mean, that is as you've kind of gone over is actually a fair bit of uh, difference between the, the individual didos and obviously there's mm. the, the Bologna subclass as well so there's, I think it's a very good chance we'll, we'll definitely see more didos in at some point I mean uh, just flicking through Wikipedia quickly mm. there the HMS Royalist was transferred to the New Zealand Navy as uh, that was one of the yeah the uh, the Bologna subclass so you know that, that could end up in the Commonwealth tree and it'd be really nice to have a, a dido in the actual Royal Navy tech tree at some point as well or even as a, a premium of, of some kind yeah there's the slightly odd thing about this one though is that um there is only one dido or dido i can never figure out which one it is um that ended up being transferred to a far eastern navy which was diadem which was again one of the Bologna subgroup 
uh, it went to Pakistan and became uh, Babur. But weirdly enough, this so obviously this is a a fictional uh, tran transfer. But the first time they've done this. <laughs> no, but as a as a um, Bologna class diadem only had the four turrets, so this is representing a as of a first generation Dido with from the name I'm guessing some kind of transfer to Malaysia or Malaya, depending on what point in history it was being transferred. Yeah. I see. I remember somebody somewhere went over the names and where they were from. It might have been on Reddit or somewhere. I can't remember. I've forgotten it completely, but that probably held a clue. But mm. yeah, that's probably as good a guess as anywhere uh, as any. It's interesting. They finally got like a real existing Edo or Dido into the game, but they managed to still make it fiction. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I mean, that, that's the uh, the Pan Asian tree is kind of bad for that because we've we've also got the what is it the Wukong and the Baji, and I'm sure there's something else I'm forgetting there as well. Yeah, I'd be intrigued to see actually a a tier five Dido, either Scylla or Charybdis, the ones with the eight four point five inch guns, because they'd effectively be overgrown destroyers, but they would reap a butcher's bill of of um, light ships. <laughs> That would that, that would too. be yeah it would be something interestingly different for the 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 Royal Navy ships we have in game as well. I mean, I'm, I imagine it's not going to be any better armored than say Emerald or Leander, but uh, something with uh, comparatively higher rate of fire, even even if it's a smaller caliber of gun, would certainly be uh, yeah could could, mm. could be interesting. Yeah, um, but yeah, so I mean, I, I suspect it'll probably do relatively well at tier six. Um, be interesting to see it, how they model it in terms of its its main gun battery, because I think at this point, at this point in the tree, everything from this onwards technically has a dual purpose battery. So, given that they've already got the uh, 5.25s in the game on, you know, King George V, Monarch, Duke of York, Van, um, Vanguard, Lion. Uh, is it not? I don't think it's on Lion, but it's on a number of British battleships as a secondary battery. It'd be interesting to see if they port the anti-aircraft stats straight over from there, or whether they give them a bit of a tweak. I can't see them being exactly the same, but you never know. Hmm. Like we don't we don't have any stats to go off at all. No. But uh yeah, we'll see. And uh I I shall keep holding out hope for for one yeah. in the Royal Navy service at some point. Uh I and this is probably uh, is something that probably goes for all of them, but I, I can't see the ballistics on any of these being particularly non floaty, apart from maybe the tier eight, but we'll get to the tier eight. Yeah, I mean, in theory, the 5.25 shouldn't have two floaty ballistics because, as I say, it's a longer barrel gun compared to um, some of the other guns that we're going to be looking at. Um, it's definitely got... It definitely should be less floaty than an Atlanta. But, will I say, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely one of those those areas where it, it's definitely firmly in the realm of game balance rather than uh, historiosity. Hmm. Uh, so that takes us to tier seven, 
which is sort of a familiar sight in that it looks very Atlanta-ish because it's an oh, yeah. Oakland class, I believe. Yeah, so it's basically Flint. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it, it, it it's Flint with the serial number shaved off. <laughs> so, there's probably I don't know if there's really that much to say about this one. I mean, it, it's kind of familiar mm. to most people at this point. Most people will, will have come across an Atlanta or a Flint. They know what it's capable of. Um, the fact that it has a smokescreen will be potentially interesting. Oh, Flint has a smokescreen. Yeah, I was well, going to say true, the, the, the rage that Flint caused when it came out. Yes, if it's if it's, I think it's going to be maybe maybe more interesting with the Pan Asian smoke screen though, because you're going to have to move around a lot more because you know the the duration's a lot less, but also the cooldowns a lot less. So potentially it could be even more annoying because the Flint has mm. to stay in one place for quite a long time with its its long duration US smoke screen. Whereas if you've got something that's constantly moving around and shelling you from new areas. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it'd be I, hard I, to get away from. The interesting thing will be to see which which of the configurations of the Oakland they go for. Again, it's not very easy to see with this picture, um, but the 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 wartime Oakland class has torpedo tubes. The post-war Oaklands don't, but they have more light AA. So. I mean, I I can't see torpedo tubes yeah. specifically, but I, then again, oh, I say it's not I the world's best picture. If I if I scroll all the way in, I think there are, but it's kind of hard to tell. Yeah. Tiers, um, the tiers five and tier six definitely both have torpedo tubes. Yeah, they will. Yeah, I mean, they might that that might be some torpedo tubes there. Yeah, in which you case, it look about three quarters back. It kind of yeah. looks like there's torp tubes. It's hard to tell though at that angle. Yeah, I think there is a section that could be tops, but I mean, mm. the, the question is, do they want to be consistent throughout the line and just give them tops, or are they going to pull weird things where, like, one ship has tops mm. and then the next doesn't? Uh... Yeah, well, I mean, Fl I Flint does, so... I think we know they're all going to get deep water tops, so I, I would be surprised mm. most of them didn't have tops of some variety, just to fit with that. In fact, just looking at them, I think they all do, to be honest. The ship's new branch are distinguished by the small caliber guns, high rate of fire, and powerful deep water torpedoes, but rather low survivability. It's, it's the flavor text, at least. So. Yeah. Mm. So probably will have torps at that point. So was, was there actually a ship like that going into an an Asian country, or is they, have they just taken a, a US ship and said, like, hey, it could have happened? Um, I think it's a case of just could have happened because the, yeah. the well, the Atlantas were well. What was left of the um, Atlantas was pretty much worn out by the war and kept uh, kept on side. The Oaklands again, um, pretty much all kept it within the U.S. Um, there's not really a tremendous amount of opportunity for them. Well, a there's not a tremendous amount of opportunity of them for them to be transferred anyway because in and of themselves they don't for for a small navy if you're going to get a cruiser you want something a bit bigger um and given that they are they were still pretty decent anti-aircraft cruisers the US was mostly looking at keeping them in reserve just in case they needed them um of 
six-inch armed cruisers were going ten a penny <laughs> by the end of the war, as far as the US was concerned. So they end up all over the place, especially the Brooklands. But um, there weren't that many Atlanta dash, Flint dash, um, Juno types floating around. They all stayed in US US hands. So this is, a, a, I think, a theoretical uh, could have been. Having That's looked right. up the name Chumphon, I mean, it's uh, a place in Thailand, so it's definitely a hypothetical, you know, ship, yeah. post-war ship transfer. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, it's 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 a it's a flint. It the flint's pretty good at that tier. Um, I can I can't see it doing much better or worse unless they radically change it change yeah, any particular yeah. elements of the stats apart from as you say the, the fact you'll have to actually keep moving there's definitely a question mark over what the, the ranges of these will oh, be yeah. but i suspect they might be kind of short range based on the types of ship we already have in game mm. i like this so tier eight is the first one that is a definite paper ship as far as i can tell the Harbin. Yes. this is a yeah. russian design and I don't know much more about it than that. Right. So this is um, depending again, depending on which sources you use. This is either an MK6 Russian MK6 design variant, or possibly an MAK um, and the MAK design variant. Now, the the w interesting thing about it is, I I in my research, I haven't been able to pin down a specific. Um, exact project to match this to. Uh, the two closest ones I can come up with, and it's either MA or MB, or unfortunately it's a weird Russian letter. Um, the M and the K is recognisable, but it's this weird Russian letter that looks a little bit like an A, but without the cross piece in it. So I'm just going to call them MKs for the minute. But there's, there's two two particular Russian designs that have this three turrets forward, two aft arrangement. There's MA uh, or MK ten one thirty design two, where where the superstructure and funnel arrangement most closely resembles what we're seeing with this with this particular picture, but on that particular design, the first two turrets are on the same level and the third turret is super firing, which obviously is not the case here. Um, whereas MA uh, MK ten one thirty design one does have this triple stack super firing arrangement up front for its main guns and as the name suggested they're very very similar designs however the superstructure and funnel arrangement on design one is somewhat different um, if this was purely the design one the first funnel should be quite heavily raked back and the superstructure should be a little bit um, smaller but merged in with the funnel so I think it's kind of a hybrid of these two designs. It, it definitely sounds like they, they have combined elements of both. Yeah. It looks I mean, interesting it looks that there is so much like deck in the front and that gun seem a little like kind of undersized and a bit squished together. Well they're they're one thirty mil guns, so um, it, it almost I mean if you look at that compared to the, the gun arrangement on the Dido, they are quite strikingly similar. Yeah, I mean, it's the similar. It's a similar kind of um, thought process. Uh, apparently, uh, someone's just messaged me saying apparently it's it's actually the Russian letter for L. 
Okay, so MLK designs, MLK design, whatever. But um, yeah, that they, they seem to be Russian anti-aircraft uh, cruisers. So the fact that they have a strong resemblance to the Dido's probably not too surprising. Um, they're a little bit narrower, a little bit longer, and they're a little bit later on time-wise in design. They're kind of 40s-era designs. Interestingly enough, actually, the um, the same design lineage that lent itself, that, that they've taken for Harbin, is also actually the same design lineage that gives us Smolensk. <laughs> okay. Interesting. So Hopefully very, very... it's less rage-inducing than Smolensk, but you never know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's, um, I, I suspect in, in some ways it's almost going to be like the Molotov, um, you know, very f fast, long and thin, made of glass and dreams. But the, the reload time should hopefully be a bit better. Mm. It looks like yes. an interestingly heavy torpedo arm as well. It looks like two triple launchers per yeah. side. Yeah. There's definitely there's, there's a lot of variation between the uh, whether they're singles, doubles, how many launches per mm. per ship. So that 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 doesn't seem like it's particularly consistent. Also curious they, about the, the angles you'll get. That, yeah, this at least ought to have good ballistics if it's following Russian shells compared to the the rest. Although the, the one thirty mils are still. It's still a light shell. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're still in the ballpark of the five and five point two five inch guns, which I think is pretty much that's consistent. Apart from weirdly enough, at the very beginning where you have a six inch gun, everything else after that is smaller than one hundred and fifty two mil. Yeah. And I wonder if they like keep the ballistics of the line constant, or if they'll be like, okay, this one ship is Russian, so it gets completely different shell ballistics than all the other ships in the line. Well, I suspect. I, well, just looking at the Pan Asian destroyers, I suspect we'll get different ballistics on different ships. Yeah, I, I think it is going to be quite different because the the tier five that's a standard six inch gun, so it's going to have standard cruiser ballistics, maybe with a little bit of boosted rate of fire. The five point two five has a very high muzzle velocity, but should have a decent ish rate of fire. And then you've got the 5-inch 38 on the tier 7, so that's going to be very floaty but insane rates of fire. And then we've got the 130s, Russian 130s here, um, and then we've got a completely two completely separate um, gun installations with a new type of gun coming in at 9 and 10. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if you have to relearn the ballistics for each one. I have I have a suspicion that the tier seven is actually probably going to do better at island camping than its immediate predecessor and successor because I think the Russian one thirty and the five point two five are both going to be higher muzzle velocity, which means flatter trajectories, which means you're not going to be able to s just camp behind islands quite as easily. It's also it interesting how the range will look like. If, for example, like that, tier seven will be like the low point in range. If like that, you. Six has more range, and then it goes down for the seven and up for the eight again. Hmm. The uh, the name well, tier tier eight and ten both have rather uh, Chinese themed names. So again, very sort of hypothetical. Although there was a time in 
I think immediately post-war up until like the 60s, where the Soviet Union and China were actually kind of cosy. So it's sort of not totally inconceivable that you might have had a Russian-designed ship being, I don't know, bought by China or transferred to Chinese service. Yeah, if they'd ever got around to actually building some of them. Mm. Okay, so uh, that takes us to Tier 9 with a Korean mm. name. But uh, yes. we're back firmly in the realm of American ships, I think, with Tier 9 and Tier 10. Yes. Yeah, so this is a bit of an interesting one. Um, I had a look at the Spring Styles um, designs to track down which one this is. And, again, it... I mean, to be fair, the Spring Styles designs for this particular range are, shall we say, a, a little bit more on the sketch side of designs rather than fully fleshed out. But the closest one I can find is the November 1939 proposed 7,500-ton cruiser, um, which within the, the um, Spring Styles archive they've categorized as S511-2. And this has, it's basically kind of like the Flint. Um, so it's Atlanta style, three turrets forward, three turrets aft, but like the Flint and the Oakland subclass, there's no wing turrets involved. But instead of using the 5 inch 38, this ship is using the 5 inch 54 caliber weapon. Um, the Some same. Very distinctive square turrets to go with it. Yes. Yeah. They've, if, if it, they've effectively tried to keep the 5 inch 38 style turret, but expanded it to take account of the slightly larger gun um and they say there's very there's relatively minimal information it's um according to the design document it's supposed to be 560 foot long 58 foot wide um 18 and a half foot draft but that's really all we've got on it <laughs> i suppose we could at least like how how do those five inch guns compare to the the mark the uh, 38s was it the, the five inch 38s yeah. yeah um so they're going to have a s similar maybe fractionally slower rate of fire but probably not all that much slower um there's certainly there's enough space in those gun <laughs> gun tur turrets mm. to um to house plenty of loading um but being 54 caliber as opposed to 38 caliber they're going to have a much higher muzzle velocity so they're going to have longer range they're going to hit harder um, they should be less floaty for a five-inch gun. Um, and from the looks of it, they've given this thing a what looks like a couple of quad torpedo launchers and a bunch of twenty uh, mil and forty mil AA. So again, this could be a this could be uh, a hybrid design because the um, I'm just going to get the. Uh, spring styles back up again if I can um, sorry that's not working um, there we go so yeah spring styles book and book three so the, my my one concern with identifying it specifically the 7500 tonner is that as proposed that ship only had um, a couple of, at the time, quad 1.1 inch um, either side. So four four mounts, uh, one per side. 
and this ship quite obviously has a considerably oh, yes. larger number of uh, AA guns. So there is an 8,100-ton 8, 8, cruiser design, which was supposed to have um, a single set of quads each, uh, quad torpedo launchers each side, plus the 1.1s, obviously a refit would carry more. Um, and the same kind of fairly blocky superstructure. It's a bit more substantial than an Atlanta and the same uh, kind of gun layout. But this particular, that particular variant was supposed to also have a pair of wing turrets, which this design very clearly does not. Um, you've then got another design variant, um, which the superstructure is even more blocky, but only is a more of a Dido style layout, so it only has two gun, uh, two turrets aft. And then you finally have uh, Scheme C, but that is a completely separate design, which actually is the basis of the Tier 10, which we're going to come on to in a bit. So it looks to me like they've they've either taken the 8,100-ton hull and suppressed the wing turrets in favour of additional torpedo launchers. So effectively, they've, they've done kind of an Oakland adaptation as as the Oaklands were adapted from the Atlantas, so too this may be an adaptation of the 8,100-tonner. Um, but in terms of pure gun layout, it's more like the 7,500-tonner. So, yeah, when when Wargaming say this is a, a, a development of un, unbuilt U.S. cruiser designs, I think this is, yeah, the, again, the, it's their interpretation of... Yeah, he heavily filtered through the Wargaming Design Bureau of... Mm. Uh, Ship construction, but but if they had actually built this, wouldn't they have mm. added a bit more on tear? I mean, I mean, at which time frame would they have built? Like, which year would they have built this? Wouldn't I have realized that maybe slapping more on tear was the way to go? Well, the, this particular, well, these these designs are all 1939-1940 designs, which means if they had been constructed, you would have been talking about 39-40, So you probably would have been talking about a couple of year or two to finalize the designs then get them under construction so they would have started hitting the water at the very end of world war ii bearing in mind that the first ships historically to use the five inch 54 were the midways which were just in time for the end of world war ii although being carriers they took a bit longer to construct so these probably would have been late mid to late 1944 early 1945 ships at which point the amount of 20 mil and 40 mil they've got there is entirely reasonable um but as we know u.s cruisers generally didn't like having torpedoes uh, the atlantis had them mainly because they were envisaged as destroyer leaders originally um and i can see why they've put these pair this pair of quad launchers either side for game purposes because as you said earlier they've got this theme going through of the deep water torps but if the u.s had been building a ship like this in 44, 45, I can absolutely guarantee you they would not have been, have retained those torpedo launchers. Uh, they would have dropped them and said that's a couple of places to stick some nice quad 40 mils instead. And plus, um, top launchers, like, they look quite small on the ship, but surprisingly heavy. Yeah, yeah. All, I mean, all the, the equipment needed and all the actual torpedoes, it adds up to quite a bit. Yeah, the torpedoes themselves weigh a substantial amount. Not not even uh, accounting for the launchers as well. So, 
This is one of the reasons why quite often, especially in the Allied navies, as the war progresses and there's fewer and fewer enemy large surface ships to worry about, you start to see destroyers and cruisers losing their torpedo launchers quite quickly, um, either in whole or in part, and receiving you know, either multiple twin or occasionally a single quad or, may, or immediately post-war even a sextuple 40 mil mount instead because the weight saved was enough to, to allow for that, plus the crew, plus the ammunition that the 40 mil needed. But it should be an interesting ship because we haven't seen any 5-inch 54 equipped light cruisers at Tier 9 before. Yeah, so. um, because the, I think the the next one we come into uh, mm-hmm. at Tier 10 does have those guns, but it's also kind of in the game already as the USS Austin. Yes. Yeah, so this is kind of the, the ultimate Atlanta derivative. Um, but the the gun mountings are quite different, as you, um, if we, I suppose, if we're going on to talk about that one. Oh well, yeah, we sure. Yeah, we, we we might as well. I mean, the two are they're, they're definitely related. Even just looking at them, the layout mm. is extremely similar. I mean, the actual the hull form is a little different between the two, but the the the, the superstructure and the uh, the turrets are probably the biggest visual difference. Yeah, I think well the main the main I think the main reason the hull form looks slightly different is because this is a little bit larger, a little bit heavier. So the ship that's currently in the game as Austin and is now coming to us as uh, Janan is five hundred and eighty foot long, eight thousand five hundred and fifty tons. So it's it's a little bit bigger than the previous ones. And this was a this is a is a late war design. It's a nineteen forty four design. So if they had been built, you'd be talking about sort of forty seven ish for them to come in. And it's got 5-inch uh, 54 guns, same as the Tier 9, but in this new gun housing. Um, and then you have, somewhat confusingly, um, originally the, um, you've got these, originally was designed to have 40 mil quads um, and 40 mil twins down the side. But again, using a little bit of artistic license, they've gone with sticking the automatic 3-inch same as what you get on Austin, which, to be okay. fair, again... Those were They're very uh, distinct-looking, those AA yeah. turrets. I must admit, when I was initially playtesting Austin when the, when it before it was released, I got incredibly confused the first time I went into the game because I was thinking it was the Uber Atlanta. The turret, the mounts look so similar to the main turrets. I thought, oh, this is fantastic. I've got, <laughs> I've got three wing turrets as well as my, my six main turrets. It's going to be devastation. And then I was confused when they didn't fire <laughs> but yeah unfortunately they are just um twin three inch automatic guns which yeah it's not exactly in keeping with the um with the design the u.s original u.s navy design but given that as i said these ships would have been sort of 1947 1948 and by that point the automatic three inch was taking over from 20 and 40 mil it's an interpretation, but it's actually a fairly realistic interpretation, I think, to, for what they would have done, um, assuming, of course, that the mounts still allow for stability. And I guess for the theme of this particular line, they've retained these two quad launchers um, either side. Possibly even quintuple like, launchers. Yeah, they're okay. quintuples. I think they're quintuples on the... Yeah, they're quintuples on the Austin as well. Yeah, so... Um, 
Yeah, whereas originally you were on the on the original US sketch design, you had a pair of quads, so they've upgraded them to quintuples and given them an extra one. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, I suppose that that's game. That's the that's the theme for them. Um, and as you say, it's in game as Austin. I don't know about you. I'm not the world's biggest fan of the Austin. I I don't. Yeah, the the, the super super squashy fast firing cruisers at, at at high tiers are really they're not what I like to play. Generally speaking. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the I, we- sorry. I haven't played it too much, but uh... yeah, the weird thing is, I get along very well with the Minotaur. Um, it's pro. I'm probably it's probably one of the ships I'm best with in the game, but the Austin. I don't know whether it was they were trying to go for a gimmick or or what, but I found that for a super squishy ship, because effectively it is a slightly overgrown Atlanta, which is squishy enough at tier seven, um, with a five inch fifty fours. Okay, the firepower is a bit better than five inch thirty eights. It's not tremendously better, but the rate of fire is actually significant on the Austin. It's significantly worse than it is on the Atlanta. You do have that, you know, um, the, the consumer reload booster. You, reload booster. There you go. So yeah, they kind of balanced it around that, which I suspect we won't have. With no, this. So be interesting. Any notion of reload boosters. They they oh. might. Re- also, I mean, uh, uh, Austin has SAP. Probably don't have that here. I imagine it's it's going to be HE. Yeah, I'd be highly mm. surprised if it's anything else. Yeah, the um, it will be interesting to see if they up the rate of fire. Potentially, it could have some use, but the I never got quite got along with the reload booster because it was it was nice, and if you had all your guns trained and you could hit reload booster, you could melt a destroyer, which was fun. But then you immediately got melted in return by everything else that was following that destroyer, just as your reload booster ran out, so you couldn't even really deter them. And the reload booster doesn't last long enough with ultimately what is still a 5-inch shell to put down an enemy Tier 10 cruiser that's coming after you. Um, I did actually... I persuaded a few people I knew to run tests of Austin versus Minotaur and even if you have both guns aimed at each, both sets of guns aimed at each other and you go in with Austin, you know, with the reload booster activated, you run out of reload booster before the Minotaur runs out of health and then mm. the minute any burst damage you've got, Minotaur catches up very quickly and then you die. <laughs> um so it, it I think this Janan it could work, but they'd have to change the gameplay quite a bit from the the way the way they've managed Austin. I mean, yeah, Austin might... gets a lot better if you are like divisioning with somebody who provides a smoke screen, right? And Shinan uh, hmm. does come with its own smoke screen, so that already makes it probably more comfortable to play and more playing like a Minotaur, where you can. I assume those ships will have good concealment, so you can position aggressively, smoke up, and then you probably have to position aggressively. I can't imagine they'll have a lot of range. Yeah. I think Austin's base, I did bring this up, uh, 15 kilometers, so not huge, but you can, of course, stick on the main battery mod, uh, not main battery, the main, uh, the gunfire control system mod 2. So I, uh, 
I imagine you'll be able to do that. I mean, I don't see why you wouldn't with uh, the, the tier 9 and 10 here as well. But, but then you've got the issue of hmm. very light shells firing over long distances can be quite hard to manage. Yeah, I think, anything. I, I think it's going to be interesting. I can see, I can see the tier 5, 6, and maybe the tier 7 doing quite well. But the tier 8, 9, and 10, given the number of radar-equipped ships you get at the higher tiers, yeah. they these things will need... They need concealment to be able to not just be melted instantly. And, yeah, they, they probably are not going to have it. Um, well, I, I suspect... I mean, certainly with the lower tiers, they're all reasonably concealed. Uh, they're all reasonably stealthy ships in terms of concealment. Uh, to start with, uh, I mm. think Austin's not too bad actually. You can get Austin down to. Uh, let's find where the captain skills are on this. Yeah, you can get it down to less than ten. Yeah, I mean they, they'll have a decent base concealment, but what I mean is like once people know they're around. Yeah. At the lower tiers, you can hide in smoke, and there's not a tremendous amount people can do other than maybe launch some torpedoes and hope. But at the upper tiers. If you're trying to escape, if if you get jumped and you try to escape, someone's just going to ping a radar on you, and then you're you're dead. You because you will not have the health <laughs> to to run under fire the way that some of the larger. I mean, it's not like Worcester and Minotaur are particularly um, durable. Mm. Yeah, but being being larger, they do have a something of a health pool. They can take a little bit of a battering if you don't get citadeled. These things, yeah, that aren't none going of these to. are going to have particularly high health pools, I suppose, to work yeah. with. Uh, Austin has only 30,700, so I can't see it being too much mm. more but, than that. But doesn't Austin have like 32 millimeters of armor, which is quite uh, important? Uh, let me just check. Yeah, we don't... I mean, that's one thing we don't know about any of these is armor layouts and thicknesses. The answer, uh, to, the answer to most of that is going to be no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got its armor belt is 32 mil, including its athwart ship. And because, like, uh, for example, if you yeah. take a Des Moines, a Des Moines oh. is basically uh, 27 uh, nose and rear, and then it's 30, except for the belt. And almost every battleship over match is 30. So if a battleship doesn't hit your belt, it's just gonna pen you, right? There, there is no angling. There is, mm. you, you have to hope they hit your turret or they hit your belt. So, like, armor is a at tier 10, because of the overmatch mechanic and because of wargaming's insistence to give all battleships big guns, most battleships big guns. Mm. It's mm. quite weird where, like, even if you have a low health pool, if you get 32 millimeters of armor, you might be better off than, like, a Des There is no mention of heals on any of these. I mean, generally speaking, tier 9, tier 10 cruisers do have heals, but it would be interesting to see if, if oh, they no, no, did that the entire line. So tier eight to tier ten ships are equipped with torpedo road boost and starting from tier nine repair party. So okay, they don't have just, tier nine. That's tier the usual thing. Okay. Um, I mean, visually, just looking at this, I've been struggling to see much difference between it and the Austin, apart from the extra torpedo launcher. So I don't know if, if you guys have spotted something. Maybe I haven't, but it does. It does just seem like it's going to be a variant of the Austin, yeah. and it's all going to come down to gun performance, basically. I, I have a feeling that. The higher the tiers you go, the more and more you're going to have to be treating these things as oversized destroyers. Mm. 
Um, if you try and fight as a cruiser, you're going to die. If you, even if you try and fight the way you would fight a Minotaur um, or a or a Worcester, you're going to die. Maybe people who have played the Smolensk might have some idea about how to play these. Obviously, people who've got Austin already for whatever reason as well. But I, I strongly suspect these ships are going to be the ones that try to melt whatever enemy destroyers show up early in the game and then find somewhere to hide for a while and then pop out again to um, to finish off wounded ships where they can potentially overwhelm them with sheer weight of fire before the enemy ships can get some decent hits in. And with decent concealment, possibly, again, referencing the fact that designed as oversized destroyers and certainly at nine... Well, actually, they've all got from set from... Yeah, pretty much for the majority of them, especially all the high tiers, they've got a pair of torpedo launchers either on either side, so they've got a fairly decent torpedo armament. I suspect they're probably going to spend the mid game acting as, as I say, a kind of big destroyer, lobbing torpedoes from concealment and then running away again. Well, I hope well, we I... don't end up with like a small line where they just sit in the back in smoke <laughs> and set everyone on fire, because that wouldn't be very good for the game. No, no, I think hopefully their range is probably not going to be enough to let them do that. I mean, I do love the Minotaur, right? Uh, it reminds me, they also don't say anything about the heal, right? So they, they say they have a repair party, but... Yeah, I mean, still, even, even with, the, with the great heal, like, the, the thing is, a Minotaur is armor-wise just very... And a Minotaur has this raised citadel in the center, right? A Minotaur is basically just citadel wrapped in paper. So if, if you get hit in a Minotaur, you're probably getting citadel, right? So I feel like even if it has like a lower HP pool, you can probably play that aggressive just like a Minotaur, or I'd hope so. And with with the smoke screen, right, if it has a low reload, you can easily reposition and it, it might it means you can just smoke up when you find a nice spot, shoot a little bit, and then immediately run and reposition. You are not wasting an entire smoke screen just because suddenly you see the radar gets too close and you have to evacuate. So could be interesting, but remains to be seen. Yeah, I mean, one of the, the the big downsides of the line is there's there's no mention of hydro at all. So you're going to be yeah. smoking up, but you're not necessarily going to have any warning of torpedoes coming in. So, yeah, aside from the vigilance captain skill, there's not a lot you can do there except just be on your toes and be aware of what might be around you. And you're kind of relying on other people for radar and hydro at that point. So division of a Brit. Yes, well, that that could well be uh, like uh, if if it has the Panation smokes with that that cooldown. I I don't know if they'll give them as many as the destroyers because the destroyers get extra Mm -hmm. smokes compared to to other uh, lines of destroyers. But you can practically like you you go through your smoke and then you you have to wait maybe thirty forty seconds before you can smoke again which is a really, really useful characteristic. But if they give you fewer smokes, then you might still have to be more careful with using those smokes. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Um, there's also in this article, I mean, unless there's anything else anyone wants to pitch in about this line before we move on. I'd be no. interested to see how it works. 
Yes. Um, yeah. I have a feeling it's going to be one of these things that when it goes into play testing, there's going to be an awful lot of changes. I imagine I imagine there will be a fair few tweaks. Yeah, I mean, the fact they haven't given us any numbers to go with, th- with this announcement means that they're very much still working on how it's actually going to yeah. play in-game. And then, of course, yeah, it'll go through all the live testing as well. So, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, it, it has the potential to go very, very long, wrong if we have a line of small ends, <laughs> but hopefully it won't be that. Hopefully it'll be something more no. interesting. So, yeah, uh, on, on that article as well, we also had the announcement of more Black Friday versions of various premiums. Um, Saipan, Pomern, Loyang, uh, Yoshino, so selling another tier 10, and also mm-hmm. the Dunkirk. So Yoshino is probably the most notable thing there, but otherwise it's yeah. not too super surprising that we're getting more of those. Loyang's nice. Well, you know, Pomern's not bad either. I mean, since they announced like a, a Pan-Asian line, maybe they thought they'd uh, follow uh, one of the better Pan-Asian premiums. True, yeah. So, um, the other, and as we mentioned at the start and uh, coming at the tail end of, mm-hmm. of last week's stream, the other chip that has been teased, although I don't know if they've specifically announced, but uh, the Canarius class cruiser, which of course is ah, Spanish, yes. and will be yeah. the first Spanish ship in game. Like, they're kind of the last of the European navies of any note. Apart from maybe Turkey slash Ottomans, maybe? They want to throw us a Yavut Sultan Salim, a.k.a. Goban premium, <laughs> premium tier four I'm battle sure Some cruiser. people will be very happy with that. <clears throat> yeah. But yeah, um, of, the, of the kind of uh, European navies that saw, well, not even an actual World War Two. of course, it was uh, a Spanish Civil War in this case, but... Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if you want to talk about that a bit. I, yeah. I, I know I know it's a kind of modified county class, and that's about it. Yeah, they're actually a pretty solid um, design. There were two of them at one point. There's <laughs> a Spanish Civil War sort of that. But, um, yeah, modified design based on the county class. Actually, on paper, quite capable ships. So it'll be interesting to see. I, don't, uh, I didn't catch... Um, what tier they announced it was going to be at? I don't know if we even got that. It was just a kind mm, of teaser, teaser silhouette on um, on Twitter. Because mm, we obviously we've got counties and variants of counties at two different tiers in game at the moment. So it, it's going to be a little bit interesting because I think there's an argument for it to be placed in the lower of the two tiers we currently have the counties at on the basis of, yes, it's an improved county, but then the even the low-tier county that we have at the moment is not its base form. It represents, you know, wartime refits and everything. And the Spanish ships, for obvious reasons, weren't as heavily refitted during World War II as, as everybody else's, so it would probably be competitive at that level. The alternative is, you know, the ship did hang around a reasonable amount after the war as well so if they choose to configure it in its kind of final form if you like 
then it could play it could potentially play relatively well in the in the uh, higher of the two tier bands kind of alongside HMS London is it is there any way they could i mean is, is there any scope for it being say tier 7 potentially or would it just not stretch that far in terms of its capabilities potentially hmm I mean, at the moment, we've got uh, Devonshire and London at six and then Surrey at seven. Um, and then and Surrey is basically the, the last county class that was never built. So I, I, I would suspect it would, in most of its forms, it's probably going to play better at tier six. But it, there is a possibility of putting it up with kind of Surrey at tier seven if they are able, if if they kind of take it in its final form, um, sort of post-war as many modifications as possible, etc. I mean, considering it's the first Spanish ship, they will hopefully try to be rather accurate and not invent too much or make too much what-if modifications. That would be a shame. Yeah, and yeah they... it, it would be nice to. It's, it's always nice to have historically accurate ships in game compared to some of the uh, mashups that we uh, we do have alongside them. Yeah, I mean, because um, Canaris herself was around until um, nineteen seventy five, so I mean, you don't want to necessarily be putting some of that later later stuff um, on her, but she's got. She's got fairly heavy torpedo armament. Um, give her radar-guided anti-aircraft guns, etc. Um, yeah. It, 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 I think it's going to depend a lot on which particular element of history they choose to put her in at. Just looking at the wiki page now, it's... Mm. Um... Why? Why is it those earlier ones? I mean, the, the silhouette they have on uh, on Twitter's got that kind of linked funnel, and mm -hmm. I presume it was a later refit that that put it back to a pair of straight funnels. Um, I so, haven't seen. I haven't. Sorry, I haven't seen the. Uh... Uh, let's see if I can put it in the the chat. I actually tracked down the. Uh... Oh, I, I need permission. <laughs> Do you need permission? <laughs> You'd think I'd remember that by that point. Mm. By this point, that I need uh, a thing. But yeah, uh, I mean, if if you're talking about the um, like a single large funnel as opposed to a pair of funnels, ah, that's I not so that didn't. Just maybe a moderator or something. It's probably easier. <laughs> Technical difficulties, everyone. Yeah, there we go. Right, there we are. Right, where am I looking? So the the bridge is like it's actually quite a distinctive bridge structure. That kind of jutting out deck part. But uh, yeah, look at, looking at the the pictures of the Canarius itself on uh, on Wikipedia, it, it doesn't have that that uh, kind of linked 
Okay, so I'm just trying to find where the, which chat am I supposed to be looking at? The uh, eight times Twitch chat. Sorry, it's also in Discord in the main hall. Ah, right, that's it. There we go. What the ever-loving... Okay. Okay, then. That is... An interesting funnel, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, because yeah, in, the, uh, in their original form, they have a kind of... In their original form, they've got a single massive trunked funnel. If I can get a better image, it might be it might be that. But it definitely uh... looks like a space between the funnel. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I hey, think again, might... I've just found the Naval Encyclopedia dot com image of yeah. See what you mean about the big single funnel. Ah, yes. Okay. So looking at it from the side, they do in fact have this spacing underneath yeah, it's fr from fore or aft it looks it looks almost perth like as being a single massive trunked funnel but if they're doing that then that means it's the early variant so that means almost certainly going to be tier six right okay because the, the split funnel the split funnels you only get on canarius which means which in its later later life so this is going to be the 1930s um early 1940s version was that literally a single funnel or was it two funnels kind of merged into one it, structure it's it's still two funnels um it's just got this weird upper level trunking right um but is, but is there like very... a point to to this connection like performance wise or why why would you like make the funnels like that um so when when it's full length sort of top to bottom like you see on on some of the leander variants um it's it's usually two two things one is that the the boiler spacing is such that you can almost trunk them all together but not quite into a single normal funnel um and so and then so instead of having two funnels relatively close together you instead trunk them into into one larger unit um the other reason and the other reason which is what why one of the major reasons it was done in um some of the leander class is that in the era of visual spotting it also can make working out the the if, if an enemy's mm -hmm. looking at you through optical fire control it can actually make working out what bearing you're on a lot more difficult because if you if you have two funnels, then as you turn, obviously the apparent distance between them mm -hmm. appears to decrease, and you can actually use that as a pretty pretty easy way of determining what bearing is this target at. Oh, Whereas okay. if you just have a single single massive funnel, well, it, it doesn't change aspect anywhere near mm -hmm. as much until you're on a real extreme aspect. So if you're maybe sailing at fifteen twenty degrees. Um, off of parallel, it can be much more difficult to tell that way um, if you've got uh, single trunking as opposed to twins. But obviously it does add a lot of top weight as well um, because there's just more funnel structure. So it's it's a compromise arrangement. As for quite why the, the Spanish went for that kind of um, high-level trunking, 
it, it could have some tact. I mean, it's it's going to have a, roughly the same level of tactical implication mm-hmm. um, as as it would with um, uh, at a going all the way down. And from the looks of it, from the looks of some of these side on photos, I think it's a case of they want that advantage of the single mass massive trunked funnel. But the boiler layout of the ship is not quite enough to allow them to get the two sets of boiler exhausts close enough to have it as a, a single massive one, as it is on some of the Leanders. So instead, they've they've kind of gone for a, an adaptation of what you see in some of the um, Japanese ships, uh, some of the Japanese cruisers, especially some of the refit ones. You see, they have a, a slightly raked aft funnel, but they have a mm-hmm. kind of a up step back and then up again. For the for the forward funnel again to try and clear some space, and they've kind of taken that approach. Except where the the full funnel has stepped up, they've wrapped it in in extra casing. It, it's very odd. <laughs> then again, a lot of Spanish Navy decisions in the early part of the twentieth century were very odd as well. So it does certainly have a very unique profile with that bridge and that mm. mashed together. Funnel. Yeah, I mean the other thing, interesting thing is that um, there's no there's no um, foremast. Well, there's a very very truncated mast, but the the foremast in the in the original flavor version only really comes up to the same level as the bridge superstructure. Mm. And we're used to almost all cruisers having a foremast and then a main mast aft. And Canarius, in its refit form, where it has the two separated funnels, does have a foremast. So it looks a lot more like what we'd expect, as opposed to, yeah, this kind of almost looks like something's missing from the front uh, version. Then again... Um, it is, it is uh, an odd profile for a, yeah. for a cruiser. But uh, if they were going to bring a Spanish ship into the game, I'd much rather they brought this in than the Espana, because um, trying to fit the Espana in would just be... Difficult. <laughs> well, I did kind of have a, a follow-up question for you, and mm. it's more of a kind of... Uh, I know I didn't kind of ask this in advance, so I, I guess it kind of would be going a bit off general knowledge here, but w- would there be, to your knowledge, enough uh, ships and designs for, say, a separate Spanish nation, or... Because we we don't know if this is going to be a separate Spanish tech tree or if it's going to be in the pan-European. I would suspect pan-European tree, but... Not for this time period. Um, If World of Warships was set 20 years earlier than it is, so you could cover the pre-dreadnought period, there would be a kind of Spanish-American war period. You've got a whole range of protected cruisers, some of which are... um, questionably small but there's an interesting range of armored cruisers there as well but following the spanish-american war the spanish navy really goes into even more of a decline than it was already in um, which is why i mentioned the Espanias that they are the smallest dreadnoughts ever built um they're kind of you i can understand why they ended up the way they are that doesn't still that still doesn't make them any really any good um, they basically take the gun layout numbers and layout of an invincible class battle cruiser with fractionally more protection and marry it to the relatively relatively speaking slow speed of a 1900s era dreadnought um, so 
they're a little bit stronger than pre-dreadnoughts, but they are, by most reckonings, probably the single weakest dreadnoughts ever constructed. And they're the only dreadnought battleships that Spain ever actually has. Right. Which would kind of leave you in a bit of a pinch, because if you were... This is what I say. You'd struggle to make an Espanol work as a tier three. Like Dreadnought would outcompete an Espanol in most <laughs> cases. So you, you'd you have almost. To have some kind of super weird fictional modernization in order to even fit it in at lower tiers. Yeah, you, you, you'd almost have it, almost end up having it compete, competing with Mikasa at tier two. <laughs> as, a, as the the second tier two battleship um and then beyond that they did have a couple of plans for some slightly large for some significantly large battleships actually in the late 1910s but then that's it so you'd get maybe one or two paper designs out of them that would sit at maybe tier five or six and that's it cruiser wise you've obviously got the canarius class they had a few light cruisers so you could maybe populate with actual designs. You could populate maybe tiers four, five, and six. Maybe you could bring something really old with a theoretical modernization for tier three. But once you get to tier six, it, it would be a pretty paper line overall, then, if they were to. Yeah, I don't even think there are paper designs. At that point, you could probably get a tier seven, maybe a tier eight out of some of the hypothetical designs that were proposed to the Spanish Navy in the 30s by various ex, um, export minded businesses. But you'd even struggle to find something that would qualify as a tier eight at that point, and nine and ten is just out of the question. Um, the Spanish Navy wasn't in a position. At the, I mean, you think about where where all the tier nine and ten cruiser designs come from. They're either um, very late World War Two or immediately after World War Two, either actual or paper ships, and a few of them even verge into the nineteen fifties. And during that period, Spain's not fighting World War Two. It doesn't have the military impetus to develop or even consider those kinds of ships, and they still don't in the late 40s early 50s so i don't think those designs would even exist um unless there was some very very busy bee in spanish naval headquarters in the 40s with nothing better to do but sketch on the back of a napkin but that would um certainly be reaching by a considerable yeah. amount well paper's always cheaper than steel i suppose mm. but, uh... <laughs> maybe a pan-european cruiser line they could fit into that okay, spanish so. could contribute two or three designs to that so that this canaris may well be a pan-european cruiser well where would you take the higher tiers for a pan-european line like which country are you thinking of like to populate like the eight nine ten um it's a good question because portugal's in pretty much the same boat as spain going around the countries the the french and the germans already have their own lines um you might be able to put the trip you might, I mean, you might, if if they classified the um, coastal defense battleships as cruisers, which tonnage-wise they probably were, you might be able to stick the Sferia class in at maybe tier seven or eight. Um, I mean, okay, they've got massive guns, but they've only got four of them, so it'd be an, it'd be a weird one. 
but it could be made to work at that as a cruiser at least kind of almost graf spey like but somewhat better protected um but yeah beyond that eight nine and eight ish nine and ten you might be able to look at tier eight again if they adopt the coastal defense battleships as a kind of cruiser element you might be able to grab one or two of those um, higher tiers would be heavily based on theoretical you know yeah he's what we'd build if we had you know money mm-hmm. kind of designs yeah. some of the scandinavian countries might have a i think might have one or two almost almost like the dutch 1047 designs mm. floating around somewhere in in the we'd really like as you say we'd really like this if we had some money to pay for it <laughs> um Yeah, the, the the Greeks, they were looking at yet another Salamis. Um, poor ship name's almost cursed. Um, you might be able to finagle that as some kind of tier 9 or 10 supercruiser, even though theoretically it was actually supposed to be a battleship. But that might be possible. I mean, 1047 was supposed to be a battlecruiser, and it's ended up under a different name in the Dutch mm. tree as a cruiser. So... Yeah, I I think there's probably just enough designs built, paper designs almost built, and maybe one or two hypothetical, completely hypothetical paper designs that were never seriously ordered that you might just be about be able to cobble together a pan-European cruiser tree. Um, but yeah, the the nine and tens are going to be interesting to try and pull off for that. Because all the big, all the big navies already have them, unless unless you include Turkey, at which point you might as well throw in like World War Two, late World War, post World War Two, yeah, but Sultan Selim in. Mm. Yeah, I, I suspect. I mean, we've we've got the line of, of destroyers already, and there's probably even more scope for destroyers in terms of minor European navies, places like Romania, um, mm. but. In terms of like capital ships, I suspect in the pan-European tree, it's probably going to be one-off premiums. I don't, I don't know if there's going to be enough for for battleships and uh, carriers. Otherwise, yeah, no. So certainly from the from the navies that haven't already got their own trees, I, no, I can't think of anyone that would have enough paper. It would be almost entirely paper designs, and I can't think of anyone who would have enough paper designs, or enough paper designs, period, to populate much past Tier 7. And even Tier 7 would be struggling a little bit. So, mm. yeah. Odd premiums for the battleships. Maybe a maybe a cruiser line if you get inventive. I'd say that's probably about it for the, for the pan-European stuff. If the Dutch had not got their cruiser line, it would be much easier. They have so. Yeah. Um, re- realistically, once once you eliminate the really big navies, France, Germany, Russia, and and the UK, the Dutch are really the next ones. The next ones on the list, and which is why they've got their own line now. But leaves the rest of Europe looking a bit high and dry for this time period. It's fine. I'm sure that I'm sure they'll they'll discover some secret cache of documents that you know Iceland was. <laughs> going to build a whole line of battleships or something. I don't know. Vatican um, City goes to sea. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still waiting for the Austrian Navy. Maybe we can have an Austrian-Swiss treat together. Well, we've got the, well you've got the Virbus Unitis already. Oh, yes, yes. Offs. 
Um, isn't isn't technically one of the pan European? Isn't like the tier three or something in Austro Hungarian? The Romulus. I think it's the Romulus. I'm sure that's a yeah, there was one in in mm. the, the destroyer line. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and they did have they did actually have a serious plan for a successor to the Tegethoffs, which would be a nice step up tier wise. Uh, that was actually a fairly well developed design. It was basically Tegethoff only bigger now with 14 inch guns or thereabouts. Um, so that would be quite an interesting one. But obviously, unfortunately, the Austro-Hungarian Empire suffered a rather annoying critical existence failure shortly after World War One. so they didn't come up with any yeah. more designs thereafter. It's fine. We'll, we'll have some, some Tier 10 Supercruiser designs from Monaco or something. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, there was a question in chat earlier. Somebody asked, is, is the Druid like the British Tier 10? Wait, is that uh, based on, on reality, or is that also like a paper design? Uh, the Tier 10 Destroyer, it's it's kind of... It is actually based... It's based on a number of sketch designs, because you had you had this big debate going on at the end of World War Two because you had the weapon class and the battle class, which were somewhat radical in that they they went, you know... The the big guns, such as they yeah. are for destroyers, are all forward, and everything after the bridge is just torpedoes and anti-aircraft guns. And that's very much, you know, the the same design theory that the Druids follow. However, there was a lot of resistance amongst um, certain high-ranking Royal Navy officers when the battle class came out. They felt they were undergunned. They felt that they didn't have anything covering the aft arc if you ended up in the kind of vicious, swirling, destroying melee that occasionally did happen in the second world war and that's why you actually get the darings um some of the original daring designs only had the two two turrets forward and as partly because of that resistance and partly because also of improving ability of the gun spews dual purpose aa weapons you had the third turret put in um originally the dare the first few darings were going to be improved battles and so you have the daring, which is a little bit more con conventional, a bit like the gearing, you know, three twin turrets, two, four, one aft. But they did keep looking at this kind of balance of, do we go with a more traditional gun destroyer or do we go with a guns forward and AA and torpedoes aft approach? And one of the, well, several, I say several of the designs that they looked at in that um, sort of 44, 45 and immediately post-war period is kind of where Wargame have taken the inspiration for the Druid from. Because one of the things that the all-gun forward armament did allow them to do was it allowed them to actually fit significantly heavier guns um, in terms of the weight of the mounts and the turrets on what was, relatively speaking, a small hull. Because if you look at the displacement difference between a battle and a daring, it's there's a, there's a fair bit going on there. And the same thing if you look at like a Fletcher versus a... Uh, a gearing or or a sumner there there's quite a big jump to get this three twin turret layout and with the well as, as we see with the druid in game you can get some pretty hefty guns up forward without going you know french pre-war super destroyer <laughs> in terms of your hull size I think there was a question earlier about the shores as well, about the provenance of that from the, sh the shores. Tier seven, the shores, shores. How do you say it? I was I was taught that's more of a just sound, but 
Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, the the um... Tier 7 Russian light cruiser. Yeah. Um... The Project the project 28. Um... They, 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 are, they are a historical design. Um, I mean, the Russians have a lot of designs that <laughs> didn't really end up um, coming off any anywhere particular. But um, yeah, that I, I, I'd say the Shores is a, is a, actually a good example of lifting a lifting a design because um, you've got historically you've got the Chapayevs um, and the Kirovs, and then everything kind of put on hold until. World War Two ends, and then they complete a few more of them, and then they move on to the Sverdlovs. But um, the shores are they they I say that they are a design that the Russians came up with, and it's been relatively faithfully lifted into the game. Um, I, I think, as with some other paper ships it does suffer a little bit because in terms of if you like realism dash balance because one of the things you always have with pure paper designs if they are in any way a significant diversion from what was actually built you have theoretical on paper stats and that's all you've got for them so you put them into the game you match to what their design stats were and then you find yeah, it doesn't really correspond with what it might actually be. Yeah, yeah. the re- reality mm-hmm. is always a bit different. Because, I mean, if you put the, like, say, if the Queen Elizabeth-class battleships hadn't been built, but the paper stats existed for them, they'd go into the game a, probably considerably more capable than they actually were in real life. Not that they weren't capable in real life, but they never managed to hit their kind of 25-knot design speed. But if you looked at say, the Orions, the King George V's, and the Iron Dukes before them, all of which had actually managed to slightly exceed their design speed on trials, then if you just looked at the Queen Elizabeths as designed on paper, you'd probably have them in the game with a baseline 25.5-26 knot top speed, because that probably would have been what you'd think their trial speed would have been instead of the 24-24 and a bit knots that they actually were against 25-knot design speed. Um, and so I think with... with, with some paper ships like the shores they they have this issue of great they they work in the game like they would on paper but in the reality especially with russian cruiser design in the 1930s and early 1940s reality probably would have been significantly more disappointing i mean on on paper the kirov is an absolutely fantastic murder ship um the rea- in reality the kirovs before they had some fairly major reworks done to them were absolutely awful. <laughs> um, they had this idea of, you know, having a having this intermediate caliber gun that was designed to give them a the fire almost the firepower of a heavy cruiser, but the rate of fire of a light cruiser on the hull of a fairly light cruiser, um, and which all sounded fantastic until it turned out that the people designing the gun mount mounting and the gun basically couldn't live up to that dream and you ended up instead with a ship that had light cruiser protection light cruiser size light cruiser durability relatively few guns and it had the rate of fire of a battleship (laughs) 
<laughs> were completely the other other end of what they were hoping it was going to be. Uh, they eventually managed to, I think they sent enough designers to Gulag, they managed to get it fixed to a point where it was respectable in terms of rate of fire, but they effectively ended up with a kind of a Russian version, a kind of Russian version of the York class um, heavy cruisers rather than what they intended for. And actually, while we've been um, live, I've run across this thread on the EU forums about a speculative Spanish tree, which I, I'll, <laughs> I'll put the link towards you, but I suspect it's probably quite fanciful. There should lots be good. Of, um, see if I can put the. I, I might need another link permission. Peter. Yep. Um, but yeah, it actually started in 2019, and then unsurprisingly, it's been revived in interest with the recent announcement of the Canarias. This should be good. Uh, that's actually the latest page. There is this is like the original proposal on the first page, mm -hmm. and the latest page is uh, reference to a whole load of Vickers export projects, which were offered apparently to various countries. Yeah, which is what I th what I thought would be the case. Whereabouts am I looking? Really for? wacky looking ones as well. <laughs> Where am I looking for the link? Right, I'll post uh, it again in the main horror. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, basically the first page and the last page seems to be where mm -hmm. most of the interesting stuff was. It, it, it is on this. Uh, oh, really? Right. Really. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, I'm guessing <laughs> it doesn't quite. Uh... The, the first proposal they've they've come up with is putting the Infanta Maria Teresa class in, um, uh, lower down. It's kind of one of their sort of armored cruisers. This is a ship I regular ship design I regularly deride because. On again, it's one of these things. On paper, you think fantastic. You look at the belt; it's like ten-inch thick belt, fantastic. On a cruiser, but how, how can we possibly go wrong? And then <laughs> you look at this thing. Sorry, my phones do not disturb has failed. The... No, it's my other phone. Why is that doing that? Please stop. Oh, my apologies. There's a slightly more serious proposal as for a, a heavy tree, but yeah, I, I, that, I, that seems pretty daft. Yeah, no, the, the Infanta Maria Teresa say it's it's on paper it's great, it's a ten inch belt. Then you look at the actual blueprint layout, and you realise the ten inch belt is about ten inches high. <laughs> um, whenever someone mentions it, I say like to hit that main armor belt would be a demonstration of skill. Um, <laughs> It, it, it's, it, it's, it has the dubious pleasure of being an almost square cross section when you look at the armor belt. It's just no. It's going to be. Um, someone's done a full Spanish battleship line in that thread. Um, I think that might be a separate thread they've linked, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So tier one. Okay. Yeah. Gunboat is gunboat. Marinia, Regente. Tier two, I guess. Yeah. It's not awful. Plus de Liezo, tier three, oh, could work. Navara, okay, now we're getting on to some. Okay, mm, the... Mm. Okay, the Navara, 
The Navarrete Tier 4, I can see it kind of working. It's going to be one of the more vulnerable ones. Um, light Cruisers. Okay, fine. Okay, and then Tier 6, we're getting into the hypotheticals. Because 904... Okay, so that's it, it's basically much as the Canarias are based on the counties, the tier six they're, they're proposing the night is kind of like a Spanish version of the X to York. So that would, me, that would kind of work. Canarias at tier seven, or yeah, can Canarias? Yeah, Canarias at tier seven. Obviously, well, we know that's Perhaps coming. Be the late war version or the post war yeah. version, I suppose. Which, which in this thread, they have actually put the uh, the the twin funnel. Yeah. post-war version so okay i can live with that um tier eight andalusia or uh so eight 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 inch gun ansaldo design okay i guess i mean we do have a few eight eight inch gunships at tier eight project one three eight or triple eight inches for tier nine again. I mean that could uh, could work. Although, and then glorioso improved immensia. I mean, just looking over the Spanish battleship line, I'm seeing the name Vickers an awful lot. Yeah, <laughs> Vic, Vickers do love to try and export absolutely anything. Um. I mean, I can, at its base, I can see the Spanish line technically working in terms of game balance. There's nothing particularly wrong, at least with the armaments of of the design of designs as proposed. But it is so heavily paper. Yeah. Um, I mean, let's be honest. I don't think that would really stop wargaming. That that wouldn't be no. really a big impediment for them. No, this is true. Albeit, you know, at this point, to be honest, at that point, you might as, as well call it the um, the ancillary. You might as well have the Vickers Tech Tree <laughs> at that point. That'd be quite fun, actually. <laughs> um, let's see what we've got. Okay, Spanish battle, Espanias. Okay, tier three. I, yeah, as I say, I, you, you, I think they struggle at tier three unless maybe you did them with the um, like maybe they're, they're at the absolute latest last survivor guess Spaniard class configuration might just about scrape it at tier three. Then we've got what's this, a Vickers one with three forty three millimeter guns. Yeah, all right, fine. Vickers six five five. So this is their fifteen inch armed. One um, a compact fifteen inch. Okay, fine. Because triple seven B, and this has fifteen inch forty twos as opposed to fifteen inch forties, and it's using triple turrets, triple fifteen inch. It's basically a Spanish monarch, except technological generation behind um and then a battle cruiser for tier eight seven seven eight a um 
Spanish Latoria. They don't have as a tier ten on this list. Yeah, well, I mean, they're they're reaching a little bit for the Spanish Latorio at tier nine already. Um, yeah, they, yeah, there's no tier ten at that point because yeah, it's it's basically Vicar's dream list plus a Latorio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, I, mean I, I wouldn't say no to a, a Vickers tech tree. Now you've brought yeah. up that idea, I'd be down for that. Yeah, I mean, all credit to uh, who is this guy? E, I don't even know how to pronounce that. I'm going to call him E Wood K. All credit to him for you know scraping up Vickers' back catalogue. Um, but yeah, you, you, you're basically talking. Of, you, you could quite literally popular. You could quite literally do a, a Vickers cruiser and battleship tech tree which is basically most of the stuff he's dug up there plus one or two others vickers designed they had designed for export to other countries they didn't take them up which would be quite hilarious if vickers takes its place as his own separate <laughs> separate tech tech tree there yeah i mean yeah you uh maybe that's the way to fill out the pan-european stuff as well because Vickers would have put together proposals for all sorts of things, although you're, yeah, you're still yeah. going to struggle for a tier 10 battleship, I think. Supercruisers are relatively easy to design by comparison. But then again, if you do, if you do it as a Vickers tech tree, there are some weird and wacky ones they came up with for the Royal Navy that you could stick in there as the tier 10. Because they were never, were never taken up. I mean, I'm, to be honest, at that point, I'd... I still want to see a G3 and an N3 in the game. I mean, we've got... Uh, that has to happen at some point. It, it surely has to. I mean, they've, they've now given us, or in the or in the process of giving us all of the other Washington Cherry Tree designs, because we've got a, a modified Lexington Battlecruiser. Um, we've got what's effectively the 1920 South Dakota. Um, we've got the Amagi. Um, we've got the Key, which is actually the follow-on to the Tosa. Um, I don't can't remember offhand. I think we've also got a Tosa or Tosa variant in game. So literally, the only Washington Cherry Tree designs that are missing are the G three and the N three, which is going to be interesting because I wonder where they'd go. Because a a, a G three, a modernized G three, that would have to be a tier nine. Yeah, which actually, which is actually relatively easy to place. To be honest, a modernized G three would go pretty well at tier nine. The modernized N three is going to be the problem one though, because it's going to be it's 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 got eighteen inch guns, so it's kind of high tier mm. nine, basically tier ten armament, definitely tier ten levels of protection, but it's only chugging around at twenty three, twenty four knots. Although to be fair, with the second American battleship line, mm -hmm. that, that's on. something apparently they're okay with. These yeah. days, so it could well be a, a tier ten. Yeah, either a, yeah, either a, in its maybe in its nineteen twenties form a tier nine, or in a theoretical modification a tier ten British premium battleship. I mean, we've got the was it the Marlborough coming the yes. King George the yes. Fifth as in, originally intended as coming as tier nine. So maybe the the tier ten would be uh, your tier ten steel British battleship will be a modernized N three. Although I'm 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 kind of holding out hope for a British battlecruiser line. So, if the G3 can be fitted in, slotted mm. into there as the as a tier nine regular ship, that would be even better. 
I think the fact we now have a, an explicit German battlecruiser line means the chances of a, a separate British battlecruiser branch are probably a lot higher. Yeah. Um, and and to be honest, you really don't need to dive into paper ships much at all for that. Um, I've had that plotted out in my head of, for quite a while. <laughs> um I mean, we could talk about that if you want. <laughs> didn't we? Didn't we not mention Incomparable last time? I don't know if we've learned much well, more it, about it. Well, Incomparable's yeah. now in testing. I'm having oh, quite okay. a bit of fun with it. Um, but you know, Incom- the funny thing is, Incomparable doesn't wouldn't. I mean, it's going to be a premium, so it rules it out of being in a British battlecruiser line. But there are other options there because you've got. I mean, Tier Three is going to be your ind- 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 invincible or indefatigable class um tier four would be lion tier five would probably be tiger um for tier six tier six you may have to rely on something of a paper design i think for tier six you probably would want what's sometimes tentatively called design y or super tiger um it's effectively a kind of a battle cruiser variant of the queen elizabeth's so if you imagine a kind of a tiger class crossed but with 15 inch guns and slightly better protected um then for tis well for you've got the you we've already got hood at tier seven um for tier seven otherwise you could probably have renown because we've got again we've got repulse as a tier six premium we could have renown in her mod, fully modernized form as a tier seven or you could have renown at tier six and a um theoretical design why which has an extra 15 inch gun turret as as your tier eight um oh sorry tier seven so you then your yeah so your tier six and seven is can be renown and design y dash super tiger whichever way around you want to do it tier eight would be an admiral class the slightly modified design that um would have had three ships following hood um they were actually started and then cancelled so kind of half paper half real tier 9 would be g3 and then tier 10 since incomparable's gone off to do its own thing um could be one of the earlier um battle cruise designs maybe l3 or l2 which are slightly bigger than g3 and have 18 inch guns so that actually rounds out british battle cruise alone quite nicely i think <laughs> Yeah, well, who who knows what what next year will will bring? I, I suspect the the Germans have been bought out for. Uh, I think we were speculating about this last time. The sort of delayed Gamescom kind of like they'd like to yeah. time German stuff for around them. Mm. Yeah, we. I mean, it'll take a little while because I mean the German the the German stuff's not out. Incomparable's not out. Mm-hmm it's going to take a little while i think for them to get up to full release and they're not going to want to release another full line right on top of the of that very quickly yeah hope, hopefully they pace things out a bit more than like german battle cruisers and russian carriers kind of yeah. tipping over each other yeah although the russian no, no, carriers i haven't heard that much about them I mean, we've well, got this are, aircraft they design. They are the air- available through the tokens and random bundles to 
place. I presume they're coming along next patch. Yeah, probably. Or release. Probably. I mean, they're they're, they're a line I'm not particularly enthused of. I mean, it is entirely paper. Is is anyone? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I didn't get on with them very well playtesting them either, so... They'll exist. Someone will play them. Yeah. Give us something something unusually shaped to shoot at on occasion. Well, um, that's us at just over the two-hour mark, so should we think about wrapping things up? I mean, we could go on probably for ages and ages about <laughs> speculating about other things that might be in the game, but, yeah, it feels like a good place to tie things off. Yeah, yeah, probably a good idea. It's uh, It's been a pleasure, as always. It's yep. been a pleasure having you. Before we do finish this off, I have a little announcement to make in that, well, we've been doing this here on Twitch and on my YouTube channel, and I'm going to have a go at putting us up on a podcast service as well, so people can download these episodes and listen to as MP3s and listen to them on the go, not have to be in front of something playing YouTube. So we'll see how that goes. So keep an eye out for, well, probably be... Uh, under my YouTube video description will be a link to that and I'll probably put links on Twitter and whatnot as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I'll be at HMS Belfast this Sunday. Um, oh, yes, so, they're open now, aren't they? Yes. Yeah, they're open. There's a, there's a Wargaming-sponsored event going there as well. So I, sh- I shall, assuming the weather's good, I'll probably encamp myself on near the forward guns and see who shows up. <laughs> Well, there you go. If anyone happens to be able to get to HMS Belfast this weekend, you get to see Mr. Drac in person. <laughs> and a few others as well. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, thanks everyone for watching, and we'll see you next time. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.